when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Now, that's a lot of wisdom wrapped up in one short sentence from the amazing Maya Angelou. But I think really it was Oprah who introduced it to the masses, and especially to women who listened to that and thought this is a great way to avoid getting involved in dead-end or toxic relationships. But there's something that I've noticed about that quote. Whenever I've heard it, the context is always a negative one. For example, when a guy tells you he's selfish or flaky, believe him the first time. Don't sign on with him and give him five more years to prove it over and over. Or when a new coworker tells you she's a bit of a gossip girl, believe her the first time. And no matter what, don't share your deepest, darkest secrets with her. But what if we were to put a positive spin on this truth? Since this podcast is about divine connections, making a connection with our God, let's apply this directly to God. What if you decided that when God shows you who he is, you'll believe him the first time? Well, welcome back to another episode of Divine Connections, a podcast designed to help you connect the truth you believe to the life you really live. I'm your host, Kelly J. Grace, and in this first season of Divine Connections, I'm sharing 13 life-changing lessons that I've learned in 50 years of walking with Jesus. And the last time we were together, we looked at how deeply and intimately God knows us, and yet how completely we're loved by Him. And this week, we're flipping that relationship equation And we're focusing on how we can know our God. You're listening to Episode 3, When God Shows You Who He Is, Believe Him the First Time. So the first thing I want to tell you today is that I want to help you tap in to a powerful resource for building your faith. Because I've discovered over all these long years that there is actually a fast track to Christian maturity. I mean, it doesn't have to take decades to experience significant spiritual growth in your walk with God through Jesus Christ. It doesn't take lots of time, but it does take lots of faith. And it is that faith that can transform you and your relationship, your friendship with God because it opens your eyes to his awesome nature and his immense power. And it can totally amp up your ability to trust him with anything and everything that shows up on the doorstep of your life. So there is no better resource for building your faith than the truth that God tells you about himself. So, I mean, think about it. We all know that relationships grow as two individuals get to know one another better. But God has told us that he already knows us completely. The question is, how do you and I get to know him? And I'm going to give you today's key takeaway right up front. The quickest way to get to know God is to discover what he's told you about himself and then simply believe him the first time. 
Toward the end of your Bible, you'll find the little one-chapter book of Jude. And in Jude, there's a wonderful exhortation to us as believers. Again, as, as you listen to this podcast from time to time, you'll hear me talk about the things that are God's part and the things that are our part. This is one of those things that is our part. It's an exhortation, an admonition to us as believers. And it's something that you and I need to take responsibility for. So Jude puts it this way. He says, you are to build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Well, how do you do that? Today, that's what we're going to talk about. How do we build ourselves up on our most holy faith? Because you and I are stirred and spurred to greater faith by two things, a renewed vision of God's divine power or a fresh reminder of his everlasting love. Our faith is stirred up and we are spurred or prompted to action by these two things. So let's explore how we can seek a fresh vision of God for ourselves and let our faith begin to soar. I want to start by sharing a passage from the little book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I'm going to retract that. It's not a little book. It's, it's not huge, but this is deep, okay? It's, it's not, uh, as I used to say, coffee and bonbon reading. It's a serious book, but it's an important book, and it has some tremendous truth, as you can tell from the title, Knowing God. I mean, that is very important. And in it, J.I. Packer shares this quote from a very old sermon about the value of studying your God. Now, this is a long quote, so I'm going to ask for your patience. And also, if it's at all possible where you are and what you're engaged in right now, if you could just close your eyes and listen, I think you'll be blessed. He says, I believe that the proper study of God's elect is God. The proper study of a Christian is the Godhead, the highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, which can ever engage the attention of a child of God, is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom she calls her father. There is something exceedingly improving to the mind in a contemplation of the divinity. It is a subject so vast that all of our thoughts are lost in its immensity, so deep that our pride is drowned in its infinity. No subject of contemplation will tend to more humble the mind than thoughts of God. But while the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. The most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of Christ and him crucified and the knowledge of the Godhead in the glorious Trinity. Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout and earnest continued investigation of the great subject of the deity. And while humbling and expanding, this subject is eminently consolatory. Oh, there is in contemplating Christ a balm for every wound. 
in musing on the Father, there is a quietus for every grief. And in the influence of the Holy Spirit, there is a balsam for every sore. Would you lose your sorrow? Would you drown your care? Then go. Plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea and be lost in his immensity. And you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. I know nothing which can so comfort the soul, so calm the swelling billows of sorrow and grief, so speak peace to the winds of a trial, as a devout musing upon the subject of the Godhead. It is to that subject that I invite you this morning. Now, that invitation that J.I. Packer shared was written by Charles Spurgeon, and he extended that to his congregation over 150 years ago. Imagine a group of people sitting in that church listening to this young, merely 20-year-old pastor inviting them to an earnest study of their God. And today, I want to extend that to you. Honestly, I hope to spark in you a fresh fire and a deep, deep desire for knowing your God. And a great starting point for that is a passage of scripture where God tells us what he's like. Now, this is what I call an in his own words passage. One of those passages, and there are many throughout scripture where God declares something about himself to an individual, to a nation, to kings and to regular people. He's explaining, he's revealing something about himself to us. And we don't have to try to figure him out. In fact, we can't, but we can simply take in what he tells us about himself and believe it the first time. So we find a scenario just like this in Exodus 33. And there we find Moses, who is seeking a fresh vision and a deeper revelation of who God is and what he's like. Now, if you know anything about Moses, I think you'll agree, Moses had a big job. Moses had a hard job. Leading the children of Israel was no walk in the park. Um, he calls them a stubborn and stiff-necked people. Now, some of you have um, that stubborn, stiff-necked child, right? And you know that makes your job of leading them more of a challenge. And that is exactly what we see happening here for Moses. We see him pressing, though, into his relationship with God for a deeper knowledge of God, and he's looking for something to help him do this job of leading the children of Israel. Now, you can find the whole story in Exodus 33 and 34, but for our purposes, we're just going to zoom in on where the real action begins, and this is Exodus 33, verse 13. And here you will find a series of requests that Moses makes of God. And he says, if I found grace in your sight. Now, God had told Moses, you found grace in my sight. So Moses says, well, if that's true, then show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. He wants direction, doesn't he? And he wants 
confirmation that he's walking with God in a way that's pleasing God and that more specifically, he's doing the job God gave him to do in the right way. Now, I'm what I call a little bit of a prayer thief, and that is when I find a great prayer in the Bible, I kind of grab it and make it my own. I, I figure that's really why they're included there. And if I were you, I would mark this down as an excellent prayer. When any time in your life, you find yourself in a position like Moses, where you just want to check in with God, that you're on the right path. So then he says to God, God, I want you to go with us, go with the whole nation as we journey toward the promised land. I don't want to go this alone, and we can't go this alone. And again, what a great model for you as a Christian mom, as a Christian parent. You don't want to be in this alone, and you are not in this alone. God gave you that child, those children, and you're the perfect person to lead them. But you do need his help. So again, Moses is asking, God, go with us. <laughs> and then in verse 18, Moses asked God to show him his glory. Now, when I think about prayer requests, that is a very bold request. I mean, imagine going in to meet the Queen of England and then saying to her, show me all your glory and majesty. I want to see the royal jewels. I want to see um, where you live, what you're like. Show me a day in the life of. Show me whatever. I want a behind-the-scenes look and an in-depth look at you. So that's a bold request. Now, you have to remember, this is Moses. This is the same man who met God at a burning bush in the desert. And this is the same man who was part of all of those miracles in Egypt because God had sent Moses and his brother Aaron to Pharaoh to demand that Pharaoh let the children of Israel go. And you you probably remember some of those stories. I mean, you know, um, gnats all over everything, um, frogs all over everything, the river turning to blood. Moses has seen some stuff, right? And then he also witnessed the Red Sea part and a million people walk across on dry land with walls of water on both sides. So Moses has had some significant experiences with God. He knows some things about God, but right now in this moment, he is seeking greater intimacy and fresh inspiration in his faith for the job that he's been called to do. Now, Moses' request is he asks God to see God's glory. But God says, I will make all of my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. You know, when we aren't sure what to ask for in our prayers, there's tremendous comfort that God knows exactly what we need. And that's the answer he gives us. In fact, every time, even when we think we know exactly what we need, the truth is God absolutely knows exactly what we need. And that is the answer that he gives to us. So here Moses has said, show me your glory. And God says, let me tuck you safely 
in the cleft of a rock on a high mountain, and I'll pass by you, declaring my name and all my goodness. In other words, Moses is, God is saying to Moses, Moses, let me show you who I am. Now, in chapter 34, we read what happened up on that mountain. The Lord has tucked Moses high on that mountain up in the cleft of a rock and put his hand across him. And then he passes by. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. You know, I want you to let, let that breathe a little. I want you to let God's declaration of himself, his description of himself, find a home in your heart. I want you to receive those words and believe God's revelation of himself to you. You know, he is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And he keeps that steadfast love for thousands of generations. He forgives iniquity and transgression and sin, but he doesn't clear the guilty. Yet he limits the effect of their unrighteousness to only three to four generations. So I would ask you, what's your need today? Mercy, grace, patience, steadfast love, faithfulness, or forgiveness. God has told you what he's like. He has shown you what he's like. Believe him. Receive by faith the gifts of his mercy and grace, his faithfulness and forgiveness. Rely on his patience and learn how to rest in his love for you. When Jesus met a Samaritan woman by a well in her village there in Sychar, he told her that God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth to worship in spirit and in truth. That's what I'm inviting you to do today and each day of your walk with Jesus, to simply reflect on what God has told you about himself and then let your spirit worship as Moses did, according to the truth of God, as he has shared it with you in his own words. Learn to connect that truth to your life by faith, and you will begin to thrive as a Christian because there is no one like God. And Charles Spurgeon was right when he said, would you lose your sorrows? Would you drown your cares? Then contemplate your God. Meditate on him day and night, and you'll find your problems and your fears and your struggles 
growing smaller and smaller and smaller as your understanding of God expands, filling your heart and your mind with his goodness and his glory. Will you join me in a prayer? Heavenly Father, we seek a fresh vision of you. As we search your word, let us discover you in your own words. From your words to Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And your declaration to Moses, I am who I am. Lord, let us come to know you in every psalm and from Isaiah's great vision of you on your heavenly throne. Let our hearts fill with faith and blaze with worship. And when we read of you in the Gospels, Lord, pull all of our attention to your own testimony of yourself. For you have told us that you are the Good Shepherd, the one that will guide and protect us. You are the way, the truth, and the life, the one that opens up forgiveness, redemption, salvation, and sanctification to us. You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, and you yourself purchased our pardon on Calvary. You are the light of the world who shows us the truth about God and ourselves. You are the bread of life who feeds our soul. You are the true vine who connects us to our Heavenly Father and gives us eternal life through that very union. You are the resurrection and the life, the one who rose for us and will cause us to rise to eternal life. You are Lord of all, the child born and the son that was given, called Emmanuel, God with us. Your name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Lord, be all of these and more to us, our Savior, our Redeemer, and friend. Amen. I want to thank you so much for joining me here for this episode. It's just a blessing to be here. Um, I hope that you're edified. The truth is, I'm inspired again to search out everything my God has told me about himself. So I do want to thank you for being here. And if you've been blessed, I, I would ask you to just hit that follow button and you'll be notified of each new episode. And once again, if you enjoyed this, if you found it helpful, please consider leaving a short review. It's kind of like Yelp for podcast and others really do want to know your thoughts. I'm on Instagram at Kelly J. Grace and at kellyjgrace.com, where you'll find lots of blog posts and you'll find some downloadable resources for your journey with God. Now, next up is a lesson called God is Easy to Live With. I think you're going to want to hear this, so tune in. See you next time.